Today on the show, we are having our annual episode on budgeting. Welcome to Simple Money Solutions Podcast, your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. My name's Courtney. I'm your host, and I'm joined with Michael and Trevor this week. Mike is our in-house resident minimalist and young working professional. Say hi, oh, Mike. I was supposed to say something. Hi. And we have Trevor. Trevor is our almost retired, I would say, personal finance expert on the show. Well, somebody who's definitely dialed into what it takes to get to, to, to achieve financial independence somewhat early in life is how I'd like to describe myself. So before we get into today's topic, we are touching on budgeting. And we ha- did do a budgeting episode a while ago before Michael joined the show. It was, I want to say, a year ago, which is why we're kind of calling the show our annual annual budgeting episode because I mean a lot changes and there's a lot of new things that we maybe have come into our life that we'd like to talk about and talk about with you well not only that I think talking about budgeting you know if we can inspire one new listener every year to get in you know to to want to budget or get involved in 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 documenting their personal finances I think it's worth doing I like that word uh documenting because uh I think like even if you don't start a budget it's good even to to track your expenses, just like that knowledge is power. Uh, well, would you agree that that's really the first step in budgeting is just to start, just to train yourself to document your your income and expenses? Like, would you think that's the first step? If you, if yeah, there's yeah, no like, sense I, even budgeting. I don't, I don't think you can just jump to to having a budget. Like, I think you have to. Uh, I think you got to know how much you're spending. Like, you have to have um, a spending history in order to set up a budget like but, a baseline but right? wouldn't you guys say that I, i'm just i'm just thinking about kind of what the most intimidating part of budgeting is would you say that kind of telling someone oh document your expenses for a month two months three months can kind of seem a little bit intimidating well it can but if, if you're trying if you tell someone you have to you know document and, and categorize every tiny expense into you know 20 different categories that's going to seem overwhelming but it, you don't have to start like that you can start with really broad categories and, and then you know, once you see, oh, there's a lot of money in this one category, I should split that out. And a budget is kind of something that evolves. That's No, I'd, I'd have to agree with that. Because, I mean, a budget probably evolves to fit where you are in life and kind of what what your priorities are and, and, and what kind of expenses you're working with. I would say, uh, like, it seems like every few years I'm changing my budget, like uh, the way I have it laid out. Uh, well, here, here's, here. Let, let me give you a situation where, a budget would evolve. Let's just say you bought a brand new car, which you should never do, by the way. Just actually, since this is fiction, let's just say you bought a brand new truck, just <laughs> just because. Uh, and you had a, if you had a category for your truck payment, uh, and, and you know you had to account for that every month, but it was under warranty, so you you didn't have any repair expenses. And then say it, it had a three-year warranty on it. So at the end of three years, maybe you start having some repair expenses. So you need to revisit that budget or that documented history because it's it's evolved from making payments to now having repair bills. So that's an example where you know anybody who's bought a new vehicle they're gonna they're gonna see that evolution. But if you just kept budgeting for repair for payments and and disregarded the fact that you started incurring repairs, they're gonna sneak up on you all the time. And I mean, 
when you develop a budget, I feel like it's maybe, I don't know, what do you guys think? Easy to kind of develop it, set it there, set it and forget it. And it kind of, it, it maybe it takes a long time to develop your budget in the categories that you kind of, it's kind of a, you kind of are hesitant to go back and make changes because it is, it, it does change often. But I think you have to want to do that. Like it, it, the set it and forget it is a disaster. If you set, if you start with categories that in your spending for um, when, when you're 20, if you're using the exact same ones when you're 40, chances are you have zero control of your finances. And I mean, it, but, if you look at like the definition of like a budget, it, it's to monitor your your um, your spending. So if you're just setting it and then just leaving it at that, you're not looking at it and saying like, are these values realistic? And as your life's changing, you're, you're, you should be looking at it and saying, okay, I need to adjust these accordingly. No, I agree wholeheartedly. And if if your budget hasn't evolved in, I'll say, in a window of three to five years, if, if it hasn't changed dramatically, then then you're you're just you're not even you know trying. As far as I'm concerned, I I do want to ask though. So I mean, Mike, you're you're a young professional, and, and Trevor, you're I'm sure you started a budget. You have a budget now, but. You had to start one at one point. What is your motivation to actually get that budget going? I mean, Trevor, when did you start your budget? And Mike, how maybe any of our younger millennial listeners, what made you start your budget? I would say having a, a financial goal or aspiration was was the the launching pad for uh, you know if we're going to achieve any of these dreams or goals or aspirations we have financially, we're going to start tracking our money. You know, and we didn't start with a budget. We, like Mike said, we just started out tracking our expenses and seeing where our money is actually going. And those, once we realized where it was going and where we, we were out of control, then we started to bring it back into control. And the tool to bring it into control is, is a, a spending plan, which in essence is a budget. I think, uh, Trevor, uh, you really hit it on the nose because, I, I mean, that's exactly what I do uh, my budget for is, uh, I, like, I, I started just keeping track of spending and then I became so predictable. I said, okay, this is how much I plan on putting towards all these things. And then I have X amount I'm spending each month and I can, uh, I can put that, project that forward to, to see how much money I'm going to need. Yeah, you can, you can, if you have a really dialed in budget, you can anticipate future expenses. Like if you own a home, you have property tax installments you pay uh, three times a year. Well, you can quickly see that you're going to have enough money to pay pay that bill when it comes due so i i don't know how people actually operate without some sort of financial planning of some kind i mean i think most people would accomplish you know would survive month to month just through excess meaning they they have more income than they do expenses and that's great if you do but you're not going to really achieve any financial goals with that strategy Trevor, have you have you ever talked to anyone who kind of does fly by the seat of the pants, their pants, or do you, do you believe everyone that your age does have that budget? Well, like we said on the show before, people tend to not want to talk about their money with with their close friends and family, which seems odd, but but they don't really want to divulge that information. They they're I don't know if it's a it's a sense of pride or embarrassment. I don't know what it is. I, I'm I'd love. I openly talk about personal finance with people. Maybe I seem like a freak when I do it, but I, I, I a lot of people don't want to open up about their their, their I'm, details. I'm gonna say it's a it's a source of pride, or sorry, the other one. I'm gonna say it's a it's a source of uh, uh, 
of embarrassment like, or embarrassment yeah because yeah. like I, I think uh like you said you're doing financially well and for me like i'd have no problem telling people how i'm doing financially because i feel like i'm i i am doing well as as, as well so, so you I, think that you think that people that don't talk about it maybe uh, they're having they're struggling right well chances are those people have the the fancy trucks and stuff so like they're like they they're doing that whole thing where like if they have a fancy truck, well, they must be doing well financially. So they don't want to talk about their actual money. So they don't want to divulge their $700 truck payment to you. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> they, they, want, they want you to think that you, that you don't pay anything for that truck. Yeah, yeah. It came free at, uh, on the, in the or, driveway one day. Or, or they paid cash for it. Yeah, yeah, or that. So I do want to ask both of you guys, and I think we'll save us for the end, or unless you guys want to answer this now, the the, the actual budgeting tools you use, to because I think it's easy to say startup. I, and I think you know what I want to stop there. I think we hear a lot of the times, and I know that's what hopefully we blow through with this personal finance podcast. Is that I don't know about you guys, but I feel a lot of the times there's these kind of save money, don't spend less, start a budget, like and, and it doesn't really mean much. So here's a trick. It's so so my wife is the bookkeeper of the house. Uh, we're we're both involved, but she sort of does the nuts and bolts of it. And she used to sit at a desktop computer and you know enter receipts and reconcile to the bank and 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 pay bills at, at a computer at a desk. And she that was okay, but it, it was like work. And so now she switched to to doing it on a smartphone app. And now she does it from the comfort of a of a couch, or sometimes she does it lying in bed. Sometimes she does it while we're driving in the car. So if you make it easy or, or make your budgeting something that, that you're comfortable when you're doing it, you know, that sounds trivial, but what do you guys think? Does it, would, would that make a difference to you whether you had to sit at a, um, you know, do your budgeting at an uncomfortable work-like environment or more in a relaxed sort of easy go setting? Well, yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. Like I know um, I kind of have the same approach where I was – um, I was using my computer and I switched to a smartphone, but not even that, like I had a lot of categories and if you have too many categories and stuff, it just kills you trying to organize things and, uh, and just like, or like it, the, the more confusing the budget is, I find the, the less you want to make it work and, and the more confusing the system is, the less you want to make it work and having things like apps, they're just so convenient and quick to use. You know, your point about categories. So here's one way to look at budgeting. You know, a lot of times you wonder if you should split expenses. And I'll give you an example. So if, if you have a an apartment and you have utilities and um, maybe you've got uh, content insurance and maybe you've got cable TV, which you shouldn't, but just say you did. <laughs> um, it, you know, there's no reason to split those expenses because they're going to, you know, chances are if you have an apartment you're going to have all those expenses so it's not like you're going to stop paying your t your utility bill but still have rent or it's not like you're going to stop paying your rent and still have a utility bill so why not just group those together you know you've got one less category to keep track of another one's a car you're not going to have a car and not have insurance and you're not going to have insurance and not have a car so why not lump them both all into automotive and, and you know for instance gas for your car you're not going to have uh, fuel expense if you don't have a car and you're not going to have no fuel expense if you do have a car so why not just lump it all into automotive rather than the the tedious thing of, of spreading you know splitting those expenses out you know there are so many soap boxes in this room i don't know what to do with them <laughs> you, you guys got to cut me off sometimes but uh, that's my rant about categories is 
people go in with all these categories and and, and they don't need them is my, is my point what, do, how many how many categories do you guys have in your budgets so Just i rough cut rough cut so along the same lines i have my i kind of had two general categories in, in, within, within my budget app so i have mandatory and discretionary and within my mandatory i mean i i have home I, I do have it kind of more more kind of packed together like you're saying Trevor but in in my the reason I categorize mine uh, discretionary and and kind of more fixed is because if something were to happen everything in the discretionary category can just easily be eliminated so it, it, it kind of it allows me when when tough times uh, come around I know exactly how much how much I will mandatorily need you know I, I like the idea of the, the discretionary that you that's a lever you can pull to say, you know, uh, financial disaster has arrived. I have to get rid of these discretionary expenses. But I, I would warn our listeners that if you're, the key is to stay away from contracts. You know what I mean when I say that contracts is you don't want to be tied into a, a, a cell phone contract or you've signed up for a special deal on cable for a whole year. Or if you're tied into contracts, they're, they're actually they're not discretionary well the contract is in, in enforced you have you have to make that payment or there's a penalty so so that's kind of just an add-on thought to 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 the ability to make a kind of two separate categories like that yeah just just be warned that just because it's discretionary in your mind you might be tied to that expense for a period of time which is a you know I would stay away from that as, as much as possible True. So yeah, when you're designing your budget, when designing your life, make it make it so that you are able to pull those levers. I really like that. So, um, so do you, so when we're while we're talking about what we actually use, do you guys do you guys have any names of specific tools that you do use that you really like at the moment? Because there's there's so many tools out there that can be utilized. I uh, I use Home Budget. Uh, uh, it's a good app. Uh, it's in the Apple Store, iPhones. Um, <laughs> gotta love those iPhones. Um, there's probably an Android version. Probably is an Android we're, version. We're, just, we're only talking about the Apple version today, <laughs> and ever. So it, it works really well. Um, uh, you don't have to link your bank account to it, which I really like. Um, that's so important, eh? Like, if if I have a Tre- Trevor, uh, tell, so, tell our listeners inter- that one thing. Sorry for interrupting, Mike, but, but that's what I do. Um, but but Tre- Trevor, tell tell our listeners that thing about what happens when you do link your bank account to an app. Well, well, the, if you read the fine print on your uh, the agreement with your bank, if you share your banking information, your your login information, your account numbers with a third party, you're actually you're no longer insured by the deposit insurance, whatever that agreement is you have with your bank. So, Mike, that's a good point. Is you do not yeah. have to. And that's so, for me, that's so important. If you take Mint, for instance, that's the most popular uh, personal software, personal finance software. You can't even start to look at that software until you've entered your banking information. Which, yeah, that, like like you said, that's a, uh, like a very scary a, thing. Like, It's a deal breaker for me. So, so I really like that, but I can still, it, it gives me an ability to add the numerical value that's in my bank account so i i can still use that as a reference point and then um and you can add all your accounts in and stuff which is nice so then um 
I can set up a budget. So it's kind of a mirror. It's a mirror of what you're seeing in your bank account. Exactly. It's it's, it's an exact mirror. And it's actually kind of nice as well because when I take money out of the bank, I set up another account called cash. So then I have like an account that's like in my wallet basically. Um, Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah. So I literally every dollar I have, I, I it's somewhere, um, and then uh, I can set up a budget in that as well, and then I can track all of my expenses, and I can deduct um, uh, a certain amount of money or whatever from uh, from the budgets, like as I buy things. So if I buy groceries, I can take that out of my my budget amount for food, and um, and and I can see if I'm going over or under and how much I have left for the month. And is it sort of, uh, you can quickly at a glance, just sort of see uh, how much you've got in a particular category as the month's winding down? Yeah. yeah. Um, so they're right at the front page. It kind of gives you um, like a rundown how how much uh, money you've used for the month. And then you can jump right into the budget part and it can show you uh, how much you had budgeted and how much you have remaining uh, and how much you have spent in that category. And the beauty of that with a smartphone is it's with you all the, whenever you're spending money, what are the chances you don't have your phone with you? So there's, if you're struggling with, and again, we always say it's never the math that gets people in financial trouble. It's the, it's their emotions, but that's one thing that can help you sort out. Can I actually afford this? No, actually I know uh, something I do um, like whenever I'm entering these, uh, there's so many different numbers and like you got to click your categories that sometimes mistakes come up. So I'll be a couple cents or like a dollar or so out of balance and I'll actually go through it and I'll like in my, my statement for uh, uh, my bank account and I'll, I'll figure out where the, it's discrepancies are and i'm not usually doing this like on my own i'm usually doing this while i'm i'm sitting with friends or whatever and and we're, we're hanging out and you know we're watching a movie or something I, I might be checking my budget and making sure it balances so it's something i don't need to set time aside for which is nice yeah so it, it, it's like you can do it in any small window of time i i think that's how i was describing my wife used to sit at a desk and she used to have this you know time on the weekend that she'd block out for you know, budgeting, you know, paying bills, updating and that, you know, spending. That is so hard. Like I, I used to do the same thing and it, you, you literally like, I, I would get two months, three months out of date with my, my record keeping. Cause I just didn't want to do it. Like I, I used to get piles of receipts to, like built up cause I just didn't want to track them. I didn't want to enter them. And, and so I, I think anyone who is not using a smartphone app for their personal finances, I think it's a game changer. Would you guys agree? Oh yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And here's the other, the other thing is, is my, what I used to ask my wife, you know, you know, are are we on target for this? Are we on target for that? And now I, I just, I have access to that same information on my phone. So I just open my phone and look at it and I know exactly where we're at. So it's, if, if two if if a couple is is not on the same page about personal finances, that's that's a recipe for disaster. This would help keep you on the same page. It's, whether you have the same motives and objectives is, is another story, but at least you both have the same information to start with, which I think is is paramount. So I want to jump in now to kind of talking about budgeting rules. And so really, there's kind of two different set of rules I, I, I found. I kind of want to talk to you guys about them. And, and maybe our listeners are, are using these rules or I've heard of these rules and are wondering if these rules are actually a good set of rules to follow by. So the first article is actually from, uh, it's, it's blog.mint.com. So it is by um, the Mint app, but it, it's called the, 20, the 50, 20, 30 rule for minimalist budgeting. 
So have you, have you guys heard of the 50-20-30 rule? Yeah, I, I, I've heard of it before, and it, I have some issues with it. I, I don't think it's a across-the-board applicable to everybody, but I, I, I'll get into that as we get into the article. Can you uh, explain it first? Cause... Well, I, I can't... I'll, do you want to explain it, Courtney, or do you want me to? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I'll, uh, so so for, for both you guys and any of our listeners who haven't heard of it, the 50-20-30 rule... Is kind of a proportional guideline for how your your money is allotted um, within a budget, and this is all from this article. It'll be on our show, on a, in our show notes. So it says that fifty percent of your income is for the essentials, twenty percent of your income is for savings, and thirty percent of your income is for personal. So in the essentials, the, uh, they describe this as um, no more than half your income for the absolute necessities in life. So the things that are, and I would call it kind of mandatory expenses. Well, you know, so I, I agree with that, that kind of breakdown, but it's, it's what, what's included and that's a key. I, I think for 50% of your income to cover your essentials, these need to be your, what I call your off the street expenses. This is what keeps you off the streets. So this, there, there can't be any comforts of life in that 50%. Would you guys agree? Yeah, like I, I no mean, no discretionaries. It, well, not only discretionary, like this would not include. Um, I'm going to say, uh, cable TV, like say Netflix. It would not include Netflix. That, like that, that, in this article, they have housing, food, transportation costs, and utility bills. But you see, that's what if that transportation cost included included a sixty five thousand dollar truck? To, True. Yeah. So it has to be. Uh, you know, what you could survive on from a transportation need. You, you like, but, uh, 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 but that $65,000 trucks, part of that is basic transportation and part of that is luxury. But Trevor, what if someone has already purchased that truck and is making those payments? That is a part of their life. Okay, but if financial disaster arose, I would hope you would sell that truck and, and, and buy something you could afford rather than have the, the bank come and repossess it. Would you, you know say the I mean? same thing? Would you say the same thing about housing then? What if someone owned too large of a home or was renting too an expensive of a of an apartment or house? Well, I guess you know what. If uh, let me take all that back. <laughs> if in fact fifty percent of your income was covering your transportation needs, which just say it included a sixty five thousand dollar truck and a, a, a house that was way more house than you ever needed, if you could cover all those expenses. With 50% of your income, I guess there's nothing wrong with that. True. Yeah, we can't sit here and tell our listeners and tell other people what they should and should not include within their 50%. Because I think the the whole thing with that 50, 30, 20 rule is, is that you're just, you're, you're making sure you're allocating enough money that you can still keep saving and whatnot. So yeah, yeah like as right, long that, as you're not dipping into those savings, like I agree, I, I think you're fine. But I think if you just, here's a scenario, just say you got your, your, earning um, a minimum wage and you're in one of Canada's most expensive cities like Toronto or Vancouver. So I don't think that formula is going to work. Would you guys agree? Like that's... I think you'd be lucky uh, in Toronto if you could live in a cardboard box and uh, still be within <laughs> that 50-year rule. True, true, true. But but I think, I think that's the whole point of this is that you would kind of have to just your life or, or make changes in your life so you can fit within but, this. But you can't get your housing dollars low enough in Toronto on a minimum wage. Like, but that, but that means wage. 
maybe Toronto is not the place for you to live if you make that income. Then maybe exactly. maybe you have to move. But now exactly okay, what what if if you're say pursuing a career and that's that's where the opportunity is like like people you know you can't just jump up and say I, I can't live here like 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 I'm just I'm just throwing the what if out there like what if you you can't like move like so, so I agree with you if if opportunity is if you're just waiting for the right opportunity. And, and the, so you can't do this 50, 20, 30 split because your minimum wage, but, but you, the city is just full of opportunities that just haven't come your way yet. Then I agree with you, Mike, that, that you have to wait that out, but there has to be some light at the end of the tunnel. There has to be, uh, some sort of hope or, or, or plan in place that you're going to, you're going to get out of that minimum wage environment in Canada's most expensive city. So, but, but for that time being, then your savings are going to suffer. So maybe you'll have to end up working longer or if, if that, if that's a priority or, and, and maybe there'll be less room in your personal, in personal expenses. You know what? I'm going to say maybe this 50, 20, 30 rule, maybe it, there's times in your life where it just, it won't work. And I'll give you an example. There was a time where um, me and my wife, we lived in the city and we probably were living within this uh, 50, 20, 30 rule. And then we had twins and you know, the, the cost of daycare, which would have been in the 50% was, it was going to be way too much for twins and we couldn't afford to live on a single income in the city. So we moved to a low cost region and my wife stayed home and I, I, I found a job, but we, we probably weren't doing the 50, 20, 30 because we, we were raising a family on a single income. But but that's not forever. That was for a, a, a window of time. So and I guess I'm, going back to say me, going back to that thing, there there was kind of like a, an end in sight. Like there, it wasn't an indefinite future. True. Yeah, that's actually true, Mike. That that it was that there was going to be a, a window of time around it. So because it's, I think anything sustainable short term, but as soon as it gets stretched long term, anything like that becomes unsustainable. Or maybe even. If you don't see an end in sight, it be you know it becomes a grind, right? You 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 don't even know if you can survive. Which at it. that point, you'd probably so, you'd want to find a way where you can make that fifty, thirty, twenty rule work. Yeah, like either change your where you, the city you live in. If if you can't, uh, you know, upgrade your skills and get a better paying job. True. So I, let's move on to the twenty percent of your income goes towards savings. So. Dedicate 20% of your take-home pay towards savings. This includes savings plans, debt payments, and rainy day funds. What do you guys think, think of this a, number? I think it's important to, to put in there that debt rate payment is actually part of, you know, that that that's kind of the same as savings. Now, I got a question about that. Sorry to kind of jump in here. Um, no, no, uh, no, so the, the the debt repayment, uh, are, what about like minimum payments or whatever or is that part of that debt repayment or would that be part of your expenses like if you have a minimum payment that you have to do if so like if you're making minimum payments on a credit card or you're just making payments on a, on a car either one like like, a, like a, a, for a credit card say like you have to do a minimum payment on that every month but then let's say you're only doing that minimum payment are is, are you, is that part of your expenses like your monthly expenses and then you have your savings plan of paying off that debt See, I, I think the fifty percent would include like your mortgage payment if you if you were buying a house or your car payment if you were paying yeah, for a yeah. car. So I, I I I think the debt repayment would be something like a student loan or consumer debt, like like a okay, credit yeah. card. 
but but I think twenty percent uh, a savings rate is is pretty good. Uh, that's going to put you ahead of most Canadians, I would think. Would you guys agree? You say that with hesitation. Do you feel like it should be more? I, I th- well, I think so. There's times in your life where it can be more, and it probably should be more. And there's times in your life where twenty percent is going to be a struggle. So if you're raising a young family, you got expenses that you, they're just coming from everywhere, and, and, and you should you should still be saving something. But twenty percent may be a stretch. But it, if if you're an empty nester or you're a young working professional, 20%, you could probably do way better than that. So I, I'm saying it's funny how life's not linear like that, right? Life life, life expenses come at you in a not a linear plane, right? They, they come at you in, in lumps and in bumps and unpredictable patterns sometimes, right? So And I... I think you have. I, I guess that's like a reason why it's good to um, to save when you can. Like if you can save higher when, say, you're you're a young professional, then it helps when you get a bit older and you're starting a family, and then you can't uh, um, you, you can't do that like a higher level of savings. That like that that way you have a well, little bit saved for like that rainy day type thing. I I agree, and if you think it's hard to save uh, when you're in your twenties it's even harder and there's more resistance when the older you get. Um, I, I think if you can save 20% when you're a young working professional, you actually develop the habit of not spending every penny you make, which I think is a, is a, a habit or a skill that's, if you learn it young, it just follows you through life. So the, the final is the 30% of your income. So, um, the this post describes the last category and the one that you can make the most different in your budget as unnecessary expenses that enhance your lifestyle. So if these are truly uh, discretionary, 30% of your expenses is truly discretionary. If Imagine if you had a lever you could pull to, to offload 30% of your expenses in the event of a financial disaster. Imagine the freedom that would give you, that the feeling you would have that you know, I wouldn't say you're invincible, but if you could pull a lever and just dump 30% of your expenses, you would feel some level of freedom. Would you guys agree? Definitely. And I, but I think this is a category that's very easily, I feel like it's easy to justify things within this category that if you were to keep or any class fund is mandatory, such as, and, and I think one that I want to ask you guys about is cell phones and your cell phone plan. See, that's a tough one because I don't have a home phone. So my cell phone is, in fact, my my communication tool. But, you know, maybe I could scale back my cell phone plan to something where it's more bare bones. And then also, like you were saying earlier, Trevor, not getting yourself into a contract and just having pay as you go, which is um, which is always very economical. Well, if you're tied to a contract, that expense has no business being in here as discretionary. It is part of your... Uh, mandatory essential expenses because if you don't make those payments, uh, I guess you're going to lose your phone. And and to your point, I think it, it, in those moments it's important to kind of assess what is a mandatory expense. So if if you if you're not okay with your cell phone, your expenses cell phone plan being a part of your mandatory expense, then it's definitely time to kind of try something else and change to something that's more economical. Yeah, no, I agree. It, 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 well. But if your phone is your, and, and more and more people, like you guys, do you have landlines? No. 
No. No, I, I think anybody in your generation, a landline just doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't make any sense at all. It's kind of, it was kind of a very natural progression because after, after I moved out and went to school, I just, I, I just always had my cell phone, never had a phone and it's evolved to where it is now. And I, I don't even have cable now actually, because I never had cable when I was in school either. Well, I was going to ask you guys, do you, do either of you guys have cable and I'm guessing. No, no. Know. The internet uh, provides basically everything. Netflix is a great thing. Now, now do you guys know anybody with cable? Me, I don't think so. No. Do you know anybody with a landline, like any of your friends? No. I think. See, that's a whole. That that's a whole generation. That's that 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 the the, the cable companies have lost, and the phone companies lost. You know, just because they, they had the tunnel vision and they just they were so unreasonable with their pricing. I, I, I'm gonna say it looks good on them. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, so that was the 50-20-30 rule. I'd like to I'd like to hear from our listeners just um, if anyone follows this kind of to the to the dot. I mean, it, by the sounds of it, Mike and Trevor, you kind you guys don't follow this exactly, but maybe kind of roughly, but if anyone actually lives and swears by this um, and and it works and we'd love to kind of hear your personal experience with it. You know, I just want to throw a couple things in on this. So, I, I always say the two things that will d- destroy you financially are cars and houses. And, and so uh, I think, and you guys tell me what you think. I think for your housing costs, meaning, you know, your, your mortgage or your rent, it, it should be covered by one quarter of your take-home income. You guys, does that, how does that math fit into your scenarios? Mortgage or rent? For a monthly. Uh, so, so one week's yeah. pay equals one month's rent. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Now, now you're saying and that as as a maximum. I'm saying if you want to get ahead, yeah, financially, okay. yeah. It, th- okay. That, so, so to to I have a question of, to expand on that. Then, so if if that so if if one week's pay equals one month's rent, what is there going to be anything? What what do you expect to pay from from the rest of that paycheck? What is the, What is the rest supposed to be able to cover? Well, it just, so just just straight math. So one week's pay equals one month's rent. And then, uh, you know, you could fall into this 50-20 rule, uh, apply that on top of it, right? But but just as, as a, if houses or, or apartments and cars are what destroy people financially, if, if you could use that as a, as a, as a measuring stick of, of am I living yeah. beyond my means? So, so, one, so does, does, does car payments right fit into that one-fourth? No, no, no. Just, we're just doing r- rent or oh, okay. or a mortgage payment. Rent or a mortgage payment is one week's pay. So it could be one one f- week's pay for your family household income, right? Equals one month's rent. I think it's a, a pretty helpful payment. thing for uh, like when you're going to go look for a place. Like I, I know I'm I'm currently looking to for a new place to rent and it, it's it's a good gauge i use because i i can take how much i'm i i make in a month divide that by four and then it's it's pretty easy to say okay what's a, a reasonable place whereas if, if i don't have that number then i i'm just i'm kind of blind like I, I could be looking at places way too expensive or way too cheap and once you're in them it's you know you're kind of you're you're bound to it for a year but but if one week's pay is, is paying one month's rent then the another week's pay would cover all your other mandatory expenses. 
So there's your 50%, right? Two, oh, yeah. two weeks pay. I, but, I do want I, I to... I just wanted to, I just wanted to further break down that 50% to 25% c- could go to your rent or mortgage. You know, so I, I think that's helpful for, like Mike said, it's a, if you're looking for a place to rent, you need some sort of, of guide, right? Because until you actually start making those rent or mortgage payments and you start living with that and you, it becomes a struggle. Then I also you're, think you're it's, a, stuck, it's a big right? emphasis on your whole thing of uh, that uh, housing and cars are the most expensive things. Like right there, 25% of your, your income is going towards your house alone, like your housing. Yeah, so it, it, it's that's a big number, but I mean that I think you 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 would still get ahead financially if that was the formula you were working with. I, I believe you would. Now, what about transportation costs? Like, if you were to buy a car, I, I don't know that I have a formula for you know what's reasonable. A Honda Civic. But I, I've heard a couple. No, no. <laughs> Honda Civic. No, but what, what what's affordable? Um, I, I've always said you should be able to pay for it in three years and of course i always say you should never buy new obviously somebody has to other there's there'd be no used cars for anybody to buy but you always buy used and you should be able to pay for it within three years is it does that sound reasonable to you guys having uh, never owned a car i don't know if i can speak for that I, I do want to I do want to trace back to the 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 twenty five percent of your income for your housing. I, I I can already I can hear some listeners kind of maybe qu- questioning that because I think again given where you are living, you might it might be again if you're living in Toronto maybe that'll be and you need to live there you really really want to live there. It's it's, it's gonna. It's a it might, it, yeah, it is yeah. a stretch. Yes, I just want to throw that into our, any of our listeners who are like maybe questioning what you're saying, Trevor. So, but to Mike's point, you may have to revisit and say, you know, can I actually afford to live in one of Canada's most expensive cities and get ahead financially if I can't make that formula work? You said it's not like that's like the the absolute limit. That's just to get ahead. So like you you might not just be, you're taking away from that 20% savings. That's if if you're, if you're, if you're going higher than 25%, uh, for for rent, then you're you got to take away from somewhere else, which is going to be your your twenty five percent of savings. And if you're living in one of Canada's most expensive cities, they typically in those cities the you earn more money than you do say outside of those. Like the the jobs tend to pay more, so I would hope that you're if in fact you're you're living in that city, you're actually reaping the benefits of of a higher paycheck. I still go back to it. If you want to get ahead financially, one week's pay equals one month's rent or mortgage payment. I'd like I'd like to hear our listeners' re- like comments on that specifically because I mean I I I am so, I'm a proponent of that. But I'm not saying it can't be. I'm not saying you can't survive in in, a, in another scenario where you know uh, one month's rent is two weeks' pay. I'm not saying that that's not that that can't be done. I, I'm sure it can be done. But you're going to struggle to get ahead financially and achieve some sort of financial goals, or I mean, if you want to be financially independent early in life, that that may not be on the table if if you're if fifty percent of your pay is going to your rent or mortgage payment. So uh, there's another article I do want to jump to and talk about, and this one's by Leo Babato. It is from ZenHabits.net. Incredible, incredible blog post um, from Leo Babato. He's he's a minimalist. 
And um, he has this article, 10 Ways to Simplify Your Budget. And he breaks down another kind of way to create a simple budget. And he calls it the 60% solution. So the 60% solution is where 60% of your income goes towards monthly expenses. So he says housing, food, utilities, insurance, internet, transportation. So that's what's in monthly expenses. And then 10% goes towards retirement. 10% 10% for long-term savings or debt reduction, 10% to short-term savings, and 10% That's to fund money. 10%. You know, this, yeah, th- this one just sounds complicated and, and tedious, I think. Because start with 60% of your money is going into one bucket. What That's was the, a lot first, of it, the right? first 60%? And, and I, so... So 60% and kind of includes everything that is not savings, essentially. So housing, food, utilities, insurance, internet is even in there, transportation. So it's kind of everything that is not savings. So he, he kind of breaks down savings into retirement. And then second is long-term savings or debt reduction. That's number two. Number three is short-term savings. So those are kind of your three savings. And the last is fun money. So this he calls is uh, guilt-free money that you can spend on eating out, movies, comic books, whatever you want. See that I, I don't I don't particularly uh, connect with this article because you know any for everything you read most Canadians are spending everything they make and then some so to say you know this is saying spend I, I, this I think this are, this approach is for somebody who's really dialed into their personal finances which I would hope most of our listeners are but. I, what I liked about this article was was some of his strategies that that we will get into later. But um, I don't I know think what do you guys think about. Sixty percent's got to get divided up more. It's uh like it's yeah it's it like to be it, it goes back to that whole thing yeah. where you got your your fixed cost, your your partially fixed cost, and then your your discretionary cost, and it's it's all kind of together there. So like I agree with the kind of the 60% being lumped in for kind of monthly expenses, but I do like the breakdown of the 10% for kind of how you're going to divide it up because I, sometimes it's hard to, I've heard it before where it's hard to, should I do, should I pay off my debt right now or should I save? And this way you can kind of do both. And this assumes you can live off of 60% of your income. Uh, I, I'm, I'm saying that that's, I, I, that's a great idea to live off 60% of your income, but I question how many people Wait, going can actually going live back to that other thing where income. you said you're paying off your debt or saving. Shouldn't you always be paying off your debt rather than saving? Like, like I guess it depends what size the debt is. But well, a lot of people believe you should. So, so my belief is 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 get debt out of your life as fast as possible because it changes changes your behavior with money completely. But you but, still have to have some kind of savings there. Yeah. In in the meantime, just be it just because because things the, do come up. The, well, the compounding power of saving early in, in, in the how that benefits you in the future. But I, I'm with Mike. I, I'm a big fan of getting debt out of your life as fast as you can. So Leo Babetto does have a couple more. He's a list of ten. 10 ways to create a simple budget. So number one is actually that 60% solution. Number two here is fewer categories. And Mike, this is exactly what you're talking about. That was like the one part of the article I actually read. You can scratch this. (laughs) So the fewer categories is where where you make fewer subcategories and categories because you can get lost in kind of the nuances of all these categories. And and then it'll make 
it'll just make budgeting kind of more of a pain in the butt. You know when it's you know when you need to create a category. So let's just say you've you you haven't even started a budget. You just started categorizing your your spending and and you you just review it every month to see just you know is it going up is it going down. And if you have this big bucket of say entertainment and it's a big number percentage wise to all your other spending, you probably need to split that out and and identify you know the problem area. Maybe it's eating out. Maybe it's going to the movies. But I I wouldn't bother you know, splitting out entertainment if, if that's not a problem. Well, well look at it the other way. Like, like if say you had broken it out to like cost to go eat out, cost to go um, to the, to the movies, uh, cost to go see a hockey game. If you had each of those as separate categories, then they're not going to add up to as large of amounts. So you're going to look at each one individually and uh, you're going to say, like you know, it's it's not too bad, and and then it's not too bad. Like I don't know why humans are really bad at adding up things uh, as groups in their head. So then they're gonna look at it and say, oh, I don't spend that much on my discretionary. Whereas if you put those all together, you're gonna look at it and and you're gonna say, oh, like that's actually a lot more than I thought it was. That's a really and, good point. And I one thing too, that, that, that's a good idea. So that the fewer cat. So what I've said, it, it would it would actually yeah, cover yeah. up the problem is what you're saying mike right oh like by splitting uh, yeah. it out they think oh that's not bad yeah but all so together it's, like, it's a big ugly yeah number. so i think you, you you almost have to put it together it's going to identify more issues i like that that's a good point so number three here is pay bills online so uh, leo Bato says as much as possible pay your bills online um and then and then he also says, and I want to know what you guys think about this, but make payments automatic so you don't need to worry about them. And I know we've kind of had this conversation before, but we can always reiterate it. So you know my thing about transaction friction and the, the more friction you have in a transaction, the hard, you know the, the more it hurts. So the paying online is, is almost, you know, there's no friction to that. It's like it never happened. But when you have to pay in cash, it, it tends to hurt more or you feel it more what do you guys think is that old school thinking or is that um i think you still uh i don't know if you have to pay in cash but i i do agree that the the more i think you you make it a uh the more you stop to to actually think about it like the more you create situations to do that i i agree so so you're saying don't automate the payment like you you have to physically go in and and, and make the payment online but you, you actually have to Look at the dollars, make the transfer or whatever. Don't make it just this automatic. It comes out of my account. So I I want to, I, I, I'm going to say yes and no. So a real life example, this actually happened. Um, my my paychecks had deposited into one account and I have to always kind of manually transfer over that money into my account I've set up for where my rent comes out of. So I that's a manual thing just so I can kind of keep track of it. But February first slipped by, and and there I hadn't tran and there there was no automatic transfer setup because I want to be very in control of everything. So human error d- led there to not be the adequate amount in the the rent budget just because of, of the way that everything kind of was was going. So in, in some ways, I mean, human error and forgetfulness and a kind of mi- mindlessness can kind of can kind of be a little bit dangerous. So in times like that, maybe automatically. If it, if it's something that's going to come out every month, and I agree it's, it's with that. There, you could make that automatic. Now, were you possibly were you distracted by my birthday coming up on February fourth? Was that the distraction? 
Yeah, I probably was. I was busy mailing your birthday card. No, I I, I would agree. You know the. Just, just the, things that are just you just you kick yourself because you're like I I, I agree. That, in that if, case, if that was automatic, sure. that wouldn't but, have happened. Yeah, but you know, it, and it's not like you're gonna. It's, so you know what? Transaction friction is good when it's you can manage the expense, meaning it, it could go up or down based on your behavior. But the rent is constant, whether you never are in your part in your apartment or you're in it, you know, for thirty days straight. That rent's a fixed amount. But but if you were paying uh, uh, a utility bill and, and it goes up and down based on the amount of utilities what, you use, what do you, that one so you so like you're you're obviously against um, that whole that equal payments or whatever for utility bills where where it, e- equal billing, yeah, uh, yeah, because then you never really get to identify. I'm not a fan of that at like all. Areas or months where you're spending more or less, and can can you kind of tell our listeners what that that is in case anyone's not aware of it? So you just, the utility company, like say the gas company, they'll look at your, your usage pattern in the previous year and they will figure out, you know, the divide it by 12. So you'll make equal payments all year long. So you'll make, uh, you'll be underpaying your, your heating bill in January and you'll be overpaying your heating bill in July. But by the end of the year, you'll have paid the the same amount. So it, it, it just avoids lumpy expenses. You're, you're, you, you you have this constant predictable expense. The downside is you don't get to, you know, alter your behavior because you were using way too much heat or not managing your thermostat properly in January. You, you don't feel that pain of making that larger payment. So I, I think it, it just, it, it kind of defeats behavior improvement when you have equal billing. So now going back to budgets, uh, I know what I do for stuff like that for utilities because of like the lumpiness is I budget say like $20 a month for for a utility. And when uh, instead say in the summer it only cost me $10 is I won't just say, okay, I got an extra $10 to spend to go to the movies. I'll roll that over to the next month. And then if, if it's low, I'll roll over, I'll keep rolling it over till it comes January. And all of a sudden, well, the utility is more than $20. And like, like, so rolling over exp- uh, your your budget amounts to cover those higher lumpier m- moments. So then you have the best of both worlds. So you still have the, uh, you know, the impact of maybe bad behavior of, of, of using more heat than you should because maybe you didn't close windows or doors. But, but you, you're from a budgeting standpoint, it, it it's smooth. But you yeah. still see the the large. Yeah. So you kind of get the best of both worlds. So I, I think that's a good strategy. And and Mike, that's possible within uh, home budget. You were saying, yeah, they they allow rollovers, which is really nice. And actually, I I used to use a, another budgeting app, and I didn't like that. It it, it started fresh at, at the beginning of every month, and it made it so hard to plan because that was how I planned my budgets is for rollovers. And uh, so yeah, it's it's way better that way. I do want to add that we're not at all sponsored by Home Budget. We just really really like um, the app. I mean, I I've, I've used it as well, and I, I do like it as well. So the next one here in our list of simple simple ways to create a budget is automatic savings. So make your savings automatic. So this is the opposite of a, of a, of a, a you know an automatic expense. Uh, automatic savings is is you never see the money. Uh, it comes right off your paycheck into maybe a separate bank account that you never look at, and it just happens in the background. 
the first month or first couple of months that you, you make this transition to automatic savings, it's painful. But once that money, you get used to that money not being there, it, it just stacks up in a hurry. And it is, it is such a powerful tool. So number five and six, I'm going to lump in together, but because they kind of do go hand in hand. And number five and six is use cash for everything. And number six is use kind of an envelope system to categorize your cash. So I don't know you guys, but I, I never use cash. Envelope systems. <laughs> so, so the envelope system, if you're familiar with the Dave Ramsey system, so he's anti-credit card and it's because you know, the people that are trying to get out of debt, they, they don't know how to manage credit cards. So his thing is you start, you go to the bank at the beginning of every month, you get out all the money you need to cover expenses and you put it into individual envelopes and you keep them at home. And then if you want to go out for dinner, you've got an envelope full of money for going out for dinner. When that envelope's empty, no more dinner, right? So it's, it, it just, it's, it's what you do with home budget, but you're doing it physically with cash in envelopes. If. So I want to add in a personal story here, which which really kind of turns me against this. So just actually on Thursday, I went out to grab some food and my wallet slipped out of my pocket and I didn't notice. And I, and I went back to work. I realized it was missing and I ran back to where I had grabbed food from. My wallet was still sitting there. All the cards were still there. All my credit cards, my debit card, all my IDs, but all the cash in there was gone. Oh, so man. yeah, luckily... Yeah, that's the thing. So luckily there was only about probably $30 in my wallet, which I mean, $30 is $30. But if that was, if that was all of your rent money or all of your, if that was all your money for the next two weeks, that would have been really detrimental. Yeah, that would be. Yeah. I don't like cash. I just, uh, the less often you use cash, the, the, the more uncomfortable you become with it in, in, for me anyway. So the next number seven, we're almost done here. There's 10 things in the list. So number seven is 15 to 20 minutes a week. So they say that kind of taking time to devote 15 to 20 minutes a week to ensuring their finances are in order is is a great thing to do. So Mike, you were saying that you kind of just do it whenever you have time, like here and there. Um, but do you ever kind of take kind of a solid 15, 20 minutes to kind of sit there, just make sure everything is, is, is good. And, and then maybe those, and then does it make those other little times that you kind of check shorter or, or what, how do you go about doing that? Yeah. The, the times I probably do spend 15 to 20 minutes is like balancing my budget. So all my expenses have been put in and I'm not sure, like I go to check my, how much is in my bank account and how much it says I should have in my bank account based on my budgeting app. And if they don't balance, I'll take the time to figure out where the, the discrepancy is. So that might take 15 minutes. But other than that, like adding expenses and stuff, it like collectively probably takes all of five minutes through the entire month. Um, so I'd like to add on top of this. I think if you, if you have a family, uh, particularly a couple, a husband and wife, or, uh, I, I think it's important to spend an, one, at least one hour a month uh, reviewing your personal finances, uh, you know, talking about where you maybe went off the rails and what might have caused it, and revisiting your budget and say, you know, is this is this actually working? You know, or have we just got a budget that we can't achieve, or is it something that's achievable, but we've just had an unusual event occur? So I I think a, a monthly budget meeting between a, in it with a couple once a month uh, for about an hour, which you know one hour a month is not huge. And just to make sure you're on the same page and you still have the same goals and aspirations just to revisit them, I think that is super powerful. 
you know trevor i'll i'll second the motion i i agree there there's a lot of uh um times where i i think that i need to reevaluate my um my budget amounts and i know i never i, I don't do it as much as i should and I, I know i see it through uh rollovers as as much as i i do like them there's things where it the rollers almost get out of hand and i've i have so much extra money that's rolled over that i, I won't need it or, or the vice versa and i i almost need to evaluate whether that's gonna it should i re readjust these numbers to be more realistic yeah, so I think that's pretty powerful. Another thing I've heard people do, couples do, is they'll actually plan a weekend away, and it's a financial planning weekend. Sounds super romantic, right? <laughs> but they'll actually go, book a hotel, they'll go away, different environment, and, and they'll revisit their long-term financial plan. You know, they might even bring their investments with them to review, and you get away from the, the daily grind of your household and into a different environment, and you, it kind of clears your mind to to reevaluate, you know, where you're going, where you've been. And I, I haven't done that, but me and my wife have toyed with the idea of doing that. We're just, you know, pick it one weekend, you know, maybe in the summer. And it can be a nice spot. You, you're not going to spend the whole weekend in your hotel room analyzing your numbers. But, you know, if you spent, I don't know, the better part of a day and then went some sightseeing, you know, you could kind of dual purpose weekend. So that's another sort of taking it to another level. That's pretty extreme, but I've heard of people doing that. That's interesting, but I, it does sound effective. Too bad Valentine's day was two days ago. Yeah. I don't know if that's a good time to do it. (laughs) So number eight in ways to create a simpler budget is fewer accounts. So this one really resonates with me. What what do you guys think? What are your thoughts? Well, you know, so I work in corporate finance and I can tell you um, that we have, in a, you know, a very limited number of accounts. That, and, and so we manage our, our corporate finances through uh, the, what, what would equivalent to Mike's home budgeting software, but on a grander scale. So, you know, big companies operate with very few bank accounts. So it's really about your bookkeeping, not your bank accounts. Mike, what about you? I was gonna say with um, uh, with that whole thing of multiple bank accounts is I think people have a tendency to to look at all that money and and just like not be able to look at it and say okay, well, you know, twenty five percent of that's for my rent, you know, another twenty five percent is for the rest of my uh, mandatory expenses and stuff, and, and I think uh, they 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 lose track of it, and I, I think by having your budget, then you don't need to look at the big pay, like the big dollar amount in your bank account and you, you just need to worry about all those small ones so i think if you are if you do need multiple bank accounts i feel like you you're just not budgeting well enough like you need to redefine you're not managing your, you're not managing your finances uh, you need to be managing it through a tool other than bank accounts is what you're saying yeah 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 because like and Courtney, uh, maybe if this you, is how you got into trouble with your your rent right is 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 through multiple bank accounts yeah, no, no, definitely. I, I, my, I am, I mean, it's never failed me before because why I do like the separate bank accounts is I, I have three. So I have one that like I use strictly f- for rent. So it works when I remember to move the correct amount over to that account. But then I have an everyday account. And then I also have a, a kind of a high interest savings account. So that is where I just kind of, done. It, it's, it's, it, I call it my black hole account. So money just goes in there and never comes out. And I just, it just, it just goes there. So and I kind of treat it as a one a one way tunnel. So 
I, I do like kind of the inaccessibility and kind of the, the clear delineation. I'm not sure. That's just how my brain kind of works. And, and uh, I mean, maybe so for, I don't. So for a savings tool, that's, I think that's a great strategy. But to manage your day-to-day finances, I think multiple bank accounts is a disaster. And more than, I think more than one account for your daily expenses is a disaster. If you don't have a separate grocery account or you have a separate gas account, then that I think can get a little tedious. I think it, it would so, just add more stress because then you're constantly having to worry about moving your expenses from one place to the next all the time. And you'd always be wondering, is there enough in this account or is there enough in that account and stuff? Yeah, I, I think it just adders, adds a layer of complexity that, that adds very little value. So number nine of 10 is dump credit cards. I'm not a fan of uh, of cash. I tend to, to, to use credit cards to you know manage you pay for most of the things I pay for. And I, you know, there's perks that go with credit cards. But if you struggle to, to you know, have discipline with credit cards, meaning you're using it as a credit tool as opposed to a payment tool, then yeah, you should dump your credit cards. I think that's powerful what you say, uh, the whole thing uh, of a, a credit tool versus payment tool is that like once you pay for something on a credit card, you should be able to to pay the credit off right away. Well, we've talked about this thing where you should be spending money that is at least 30 days old. You know, that that's a, that one way of looking at your money. The money you just earned, you should never be spending that. You should be spending money that is that you earned at least 30 days ago. And the final list thing on this list of how you can create a simple budget is pay all your bills at the same time. Mm, that's interesting one. I... Uh, so in essence, you'd be paying some bills early, right? But at least you, you'd be getting them all paid. Is, is that the way you guys see it? I don't know if that works because like I know my bills, they, they all come in at different times. So I, and I, I just want to pay it as soon as I get it in. So I, I would rather just pay them all at different times. Pay them when they're due. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess if you were, if you had, you know, blocked out an hour of an hour every week to do your personal finances, uh, you know, I, I, that'd be one way of attacking it, I guess. But I think it's one of those things like for me to, to pay a bill, it, it it's literally like two minutes to do. So I, I think it's one of those things where if I had to pay like five different bills, then all of a sudden that's like 15 minutes I got to set aside and that, then I'm going to keep pushing that off. Like I, I'd personally rather pay each of them individually. But it might seem like you're always paying a bill. I, I guess. Yeah. So like is, is the whole thing of that pay them all at once is so you don't feel like you're paying as many bills. Yeah, because if 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 every couple of days you got to go in and pay a bill, it might seem like you're forever updating and monitoring your finances. So it seems like a never-ending task to somebody. Because, like, I guess isn't that also that thing where it, it makes it like it keeps you reassessing? Like, if you keep feeling like you're just dropping tons of money on all these these bills, then it's going to make you start thinking, "What can I do differently?" Whereas, if if I only had to deal with that once a month, then I, I think. You, you'd kind of just take the, the blow and then you just deal with it. Like, you don't. So, so paying bills more often, you get that transaction friction. Y- yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it maybe I, helps you, helps build the discipline. Yeah, it reassess. Or, or yeah, I think it, you get more transaction resistance out of it. Yeah, no, I agree. So that's the end of that article. Um, I, I do, we do have two listener comments I want to, well, to get be, to. Before we go on, I, I just want to sort of walk through, because this is an episode on budgeting, just. The, how a, the evolution of, of getting from no budget to budget. And, and you guys tell me w- w- if there's any flaws in this. So 
just say you're somebody who's gotten doesn't have a budget of any kind and you just sort of been hoping it all works out with your personal finances. The first step would would be to create very broad categories and track your your spending. No, uh, I, I I yeah, sorry, sorry, yeah, I, I agree. Then sorry, sorry. Okay, yeah, and then maybe do that for three months, and then and look at it and just see if there's any big lumps, you know, where where you all your expenses seem to be just in one spot, and if it is, then reevaluate your categories and, and carry on for another three months. So the at the end of that, you got six months of spending, and I'm saying at six months you can start to form the framework of a very uh, broad-based budget. Uh, and then then just sort of monitor your your actuals to your budget, very rough cut for, for the, another six months. So now you have 12 months of historical spending and six months of budget budget tracking. So at the end of that 12 months, you've got a really good base to develop a budget on because you've gone a whole cycle, one year. You would have seen probably every expense you're going to see. And then, then at that 12-month mark, 12 months of expenses, you should have something that is pretty dialed in and something that you can really make financial plans with. Which, does, that, does that sound like a, a pretty good philosophy for somebody starting out? Yeah, I'd say yeah, so. Yeah, I agree. Simple, easy. It's so, a simple money solution. But, but for somebody to go from nothing to a budget, uh, that's a disaster. I think it's very hard. You and you're going to be so I think you'll be very far off that it'll it'll be very discouraging. Yeah, very discouraging. Like you're going to be missing your budget by leaps and bounds cuz you what what do you got to create your budget on? Just hopes and dreams, right? Like I hope I only spend this much or you know, I I'd love to only spend this much in this category. And 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 so and the other thing is if you're not hitting a budget category, you know, if you're consistently overspending it, I'm going to say look at your behavior not you know don't look at the dollars and cents that you're spending think about your behavior in that category is it out of line with what your objectives are and if you can because chances are you know just just to say okay i'm not gonna buy you know six dollar lattes anymore you know that's the action plan you need to fix that spending category not oh i i'm just gonna spend less in in eating out or, or coffees you need to actually change your your behavior and, and stop driving by that Starbucks every day and that's going to fix your budget problem. So it's always going to be a behavior that's that's the solution to a budgeting flaw. No, I agree with that. I think it has to be very specific and and because I think we get caught in that trap of of saying kind of generalized things that we're going to change whereas I love that example specifically how are you going to reduce that category yeah you, you have to have an action plan like if you want if you're spending too much on gas fuel for your car just to say I'm going to drive less that doesn't work you actually have to figure out where you've been driving and, and why you're driving there and, and ask yourself can I avoid those trips you can't just say I'm going to cut my my fuel expense by 25 percent it just doesn't work. You you have to actually have a plan behind it. So I, I, I if Mike and Trevor, you if you guys are good, we're gonna kind of cover the two uh, comments we have. To they're not related to the show, but we have two listener comments, uh, new ones that we've got since last time. So the first one is from Bob Lowry, and Bob says. I can't thank you enough for all of your knowledge. I found you in December and have been glued to your podcast ever since. 
I've adopted a minimalist lifestyle and being 58, I am making some strides to semi-retire soon. Keep up the great work. I live in Avalon, like Ohio, the United States. So Bob, thank you so much for commenting and writing in. And, and, and so he's from the United States and I, I, I pride us on being a Canadian based personal finance podcast, but a lot of what we talk about is, is, you know, lifestyle and, and it's, it's universal. So I think there's there's something here for everybody, but I'm I'm glad he's he's really enjoying the podcast and he's getting value from it. Um, and the next comment is: Good morning. I listened to episode seventy eight last night. The cost of living healthy. You talked about how the cost of choosing healthier foods at the grocery store is more expensive than choosing fast, easy snacks like cookies and chips. This may be true if you want to go in for that fast hunger fix, but I wonder if your weekly grocery bill would actually be more. You pay more for the out-of-season produce, but then you don't buy all the extra stuff most people pile into their shopping cart, like those cookies, meat, dairy products, and whatever other garbage they pile in. I bet at the end of the checkout, the receipts will show you probably don't spend as much. Just a thought and would be interesting to compare. I would agree with that, except when you're buying fresh fruits and vegetables, you tend to pay a premium in January, whereas if if you're buying cookies, I mean, you can when they're on sale, you can stock up and, and they don't go bad, right? They kind of last forever, which is kind of the bad part about the cookies. But Mike, you, you've said before that you could buy, you know, apples instead of grapes in the winter and they're cheaper. So you, there is some some strategy, but generally speaking, you you can't stockpile fresh produce and fresh uh, fresh ve- fruits and vegetables. Uh, you, you, they, a lot of that stuff doesn't freeze well, whereas the the, the chips and cookies they they're they're good all year long. In her email, was she saying that like was she agreeing with like what we were saying like, like it's going to cost more? or Was she saying it's going to be? No, I think she was saying it, 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 if you really look at if you avoid buying you know the the, the bad food and you just bought the good food, it, you'd be surprised how much you're going to save. Yeah, and I, I I agree with that. That that's that is true. Yeah, yeah. But but there, there's still times a year where you're going to pay a premium. You know what? Maybe she's right. So over the course of the whole year, forget you know I'm talking about you pay a premium in January, but in the summer you're 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 buying that stuff at a, a greatly reduced price. So you probably do over the if you you measure over the twelve months, you're actually probably not paying that much when you avoid all that bad food. So I agree with her. Also added in at the very bottom is I would love that bean salad recipe. And if, if you or any of our other listeners would like that recipe too, I'll try to find it. It's uh, Mike and I ha- have tried this bean salad recipe. It's really, really, really good. And I'll try to find it and put it in the show notes or link to it on our social media. So Mike, Trevor, I think that brings us to the end of this episode on budgeting. Do you have any final, I mean, Trevor, you did kind of a wrap up of your kind of easy steps to create a budget, but do you have any final wrap up thoughts before we end the show? Yeah, I would say, you know, if you're intimidated by budgeting, you have to overcome it because if you're going to, if you're going to make, achieve any of your financial dreams or aspirations, it's the foundation of that is going to be budgeting. So that is it for the show. Thank you so much for being with us this week as we talked about budgeting. Make sure to write to us either on, on our social media accounts or, or leave us a comment on iTunes or even on our website, livelifesimple.ca and let us know what your thoughts are on budgeting, how you effectively budget and, and how you make it work for you. We will see you right back here next week with a new episode. Until then, keep it simple. Keep it simple.